Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to financialsurvivalnetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly news. Newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You're listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. The date is December 28th, 2015. Almost ready to put this year behind. If 2016 was going to be a better year, if I believed it, I'd be more excited but you never know. And John Rubino, you are with us now. You're following this currency war thing and oil patch declines and such things as that. Always great to talk to you on Mondays. Hey, Gary. Happy holidays. Hey, you too, man. So great economic news coming from the oil patch today, huh? Yeah, the uh, the Dallas Fed manufacturing report was released just minutes ago, and uh, that that's the thing that tells you how well the Texas economy is doing. And and you know it's important to note that the Texas economy was the bright spot of the U.S. economy, one of the big bright spots over the last few years, because oil was expensive and Texas was making lots of money by selling it to the rest of the world. And uh, since oil has tanked, the Texas economy has gone along with it. And the manufacturing report that came out this morning just blew through the most pessimistic expectation of economists. Uh, the, the way they mark it up, um, zero means an economy is just treading water. A positive number means it's expanding. And uh, this morning's Texas number came out negative 20, which is a recession level contraction um, not seen since 2009. So Texas is tipping into a recession because of the uh, the crash in oil prices. And when your your bright spot of your economy is tipping into recession, that tends to pull down a lot of the rest of the system. So um, I, I think there's a good chance that the U.S. in general tips into at least you know, flatlining in early 2016 and maybe flat out into recession. Um, and part of it is the immediate effect of lower oil prices. And part of it is the effect of the, the commodities complex crash on um, sentiment, especially in fixed income, because a lot of junk bonds were issued by um, energy producers. And so you've got the coal companies just crashing and burning right now. The pipeline companies, which used to be the big dividend paying stocks out there, um, restructuring, cutting their dividends. And of course, the, um, the oil drillers in crisis. And all of these guys have debts associated with them that are on the books of hedge funds and pension funds and the big banks. And uh, a lot of them are going to be written off in the year ahead. Many of them will default. A lot of them will be worth 40, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, even if they haven't defaulted. And so this is kind of analogous to the subprime mortgage bust of 2007. You know, you've got a sector that's not huge in the scheme of things, but still pretty big that is just absolutely blowing up. And the question becomes, then, does it 
metastasized to the rest of the economy or is it well contained? And so we'll find out in the first half of 2016 whether this is going to be just a blip or whether it's going to spread to other sectors. And based on what we're seeing now in high-grade corporate bonds, I think there's a good chance that it spreads because we're seeing money uh, pour out of corporate bond funds. And that's forcing the the funds themselves to sell their investments in order to make good on the, um, the redemption request from their customers. And so that's pushing down the prices of corporate bonds, making it harder for corporations to borrow at, at dirt cheap rates like they used to, which in turn means they can't access enough free cash to keep the uh, stock buyback orgy going. And so if it spreads from junk to high-grade corporates to equities, then you've got a pretty widespread crisis going on. And so I, I think we could easily see that in the not too distant future. And from there, you know, if, if we have a stock bear market in the US, um, it's not clear that the um, the financial system can handle even something as common as that. You know, if stocks drop by 30%, let's say, which they do periodically, that's not really unusual in the scheme of things, um, that, then you're gonna see a global financial crisis from that because we're already so over leveraged in so many different sectors that any kind of a shock to the system is systemically dangerous now. Um, so lots of interesting things to watch, but junk bonds are clearly the the uh, thing to pay attention to right now and their secondary effects. So yeah, you know, as usual, fascinating year coming up and one with a lot of potential um, time bombs going on. Oh yeah. Well, we've said numerous times uh, and I've said it on many different shows, junk bonds are the kind of thing that only the most seasoned professional uh, can even think about investing in without uh, having them blow up on you. Um, and even them, now we're seeing hedge funds, uh, the all-time pros, look at them. I mean, they're, they're going to lose tens of billions of dollars. I mean, I think there's a few trillion dollars, $3 trillion worth of junk bonds out there for, uh, for the oil patch, and it's all going down the drain. Yeah, yeah. And see, these hedge funds, <laughs> they they buy this stuff frequently with borrowed money anyhow, you know, so they leverage themselves to the hilt. So it doesn't take much for them to be impaired. In other words, for the for a hedge fund to have to sell a lot of its high grade assets in order to meet the redemptions that come from reporting a, a big hit to a junk bond portfolio. You know, their, their investors are nervous now because they're seeing junk bond funds blow up. And then uh, that one fund a couple of weeks ago um, just flat out refused to give its investors money back. And so that that spooked a lot of people. And you're seeing big outflows now in a lot of different junk bonds. And so what happens is, in a time of, of really aggressive redemptions, uh, you don't sell the stuff that's way down because you can't get much for it and you have to really haggle to get anything at all for it. But it's very easy to sell the stuff that's up. So if you're holding Google stock or Apple stock or something like that, at the same time that you've got a lot of junk bonds, you're going to sell the high grade stuff because that's a source of instant cash, which is what you need when redemptions are spiking. So that's part of how the process metastasizes. When you see one sector blow up, it affects the other sectors because you end up, in effect, throwing the babies out with the bathwater. And that happened, you know, I was a junk bond analyst in, in uh, 1989, which is when that sector really blew up. You know, that was the bubble of the decade. And when it blew up, you saw a lot of funds having to sell pretty much anything that they could get a good bid for. And 
that's liable to happen again going forward. And it's liable to affect the, uh, the part of the stock market that people have been taking for granted. You know, the, uh, the big tech companies that have tons of cash on their balance sheets and have been growing aggressively and, and look bulletproof. Well, they're not, they're not bulletproof because they're a source of ready cash for troubled hedge funds. So we could easily see yesterday's winners turn into tomorrow's losers just because um, they're the source of ready cash for mutual funds and hedge funds. And, you know, what's really despicable about the whole junk bond thing, though, is that the government has consciously herded uh, previously risk-averse investors into these things by pushing down the interest rates on relatively safe stuff like bank CDs and, and treasury bonds. You force retirees and pension funds who have to get a certain return on their capital in order to function um, into stuff like high dividend stocks, you know, those pipeline stocks that are blowing up. They were the darlings of financial planners for a long time because they paid good dividends and looked safe. Well, they didn't turn out to be safe. So their dividends are being cut. Now, not only do you not get the dividend you expected if you're a retiree, but you got a big capital loss on these things. And of course, junk bonds, you know, junk bond mutual funds were sold as a diversified source of relatively high income. Well, now they're a diversified source of massive capital losses for retirees and for pensions funds. So these are the guys who should be taken care of by governments because they're a source of savings. And savings are what drives the capitalist economy. You can't have productive investment without the savings to fuel that investment. If you just do it with leverage, then it's inherently extremely dangerous and it's no longer productive. But if you do it from savings, then you're... Um, then you're producing wealth in the long run. That's how capitalism works. And we've short-circuited that process. And we're really screwing over the people who don't deserve to be screwed over. So it's, it's very frustrating to watch this because it's, uh, it's kind of public policy turned on its head where we, um, where we help debtors, you know, the people who can't live within their means and, and, uh, and are constantly leveraging themselves and taking huge risks. Well, th those guys are the ones that public policy helps. And the people who save a little bit every month and try to build up a nest egg that, uh, that keeps them from being a burden on society later in life, those are the guys we're hurting. So it's really frustrating to watch it. But it's, uh, it's played out this way for three or four or consecutive cycles. And it looks like another cycle is starting where um, these are the people who get hurt. By public policy. I think you nailed it. I think that's definitely what's going to happen. It's all so totally predictable too, uh, because it's becoming an identifiable pattern. And yet, uh, you know, you don't learn from the past. What was it? The only thing uh, we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. Yeah. But this was such compressed history. It's the same people. You know, we, we yeah. remember, Carrie, you guys, you're, you're in my age. We, we remember three cycles back and we've seen this happen over and over again. Uh -huh. And so presumably retirees would remember all the way back to the, the 70s and the 80s where they, they've seen this happen. And then it happened again in the 90s. And then it happened again in the 2000s. And now it's happening again. Why don't we remember this? It's really kind of shocking that, uh, that, that people get sucked in time and time again. You know, I understand the new traders coming into Wall Street, the 28-year-old guys who are just out of an Ivy League school who have never really had to deal with any kind of adversity. Okay, they, they embrace these bubbles. I get that. Uh, because they're young and ignorant. But why would a middle-aged or um, 
late middle-aged or, you know, senior citizen not know this? I, I don't understand it because it's pretty obvious if you've been paying attention during all that time that we're doing the same thing we did in the late 80s and the late 90s and the mid 2000s. And it's going to end the same way, you know, and I, it, it feels like we're, we're close to that ending. You know, it feels like 2016 could be 2008 all over again. So, you know, if so, hold on to your hat, hold on to your wallet, because it's going to be bigger and badder than anything that's come before. It has to be. Because so all the numbers yeah. are way bigger. So, yeah, um, it, it should be scarier than anything we've seen in our lifetime. And the proof of easy money uh, relieving this corrupting influence. Just recently, a study done, and I talked about it in the last Triple Lutz report, that directly uh, laid the increase in the cost of college to the fact that uh, the federal government's subsidizing loans. Because you don't get any more people going to college as a result of it, not initially, because you don't increase the capacity of the universities. So what you wind up with is just uh, prices going up, professors getting more, and nothing good coming of the whole thing. Yeah, college has been perverted by the um, the, the federal money that flows into it, because now the colleges have to compete on nice dorms with gourmet food and big sports stadiums yeah. because uh, kids who can borrow 10, 15, 20 thousand dollars a year in order to go there are able to shop around and demand something that's really glitzy and, and, and that has nothing to do with the learning experience. So colleges feel compelled in order to have the best stuff, you know, the best infrastructure. Um, and meanwhile, they, they end up skimping on the important stuff. Like most college classes now are taught by grad students or adjunct professors right. rather than tenured professors. And um, so most, especially undergrads, end up getting a really low quality learning experience. And that shows up in a lot of studies of, uh, you know, the capabilities of kids who are in college now versus 20, 30 years ago. It's, it's really plunging. And uh, one study, and oh, I wish I wish I remembered the details more perfectly, but I'll I'll um, tell you what I remember. And it's that um, kids, by a lot of standards, actually regress in their last couple of years of most undergraduate programs, where they're actually worse on a lot of um, tests of critical thinking and um, standardized knowledge. And that's because it's it's not really required of them anymore, because colleges are just competing to get those student loans handed over, uh, rather than to um, make a rigorous program that will, um, you know, that will weed out the kids who are adequate. They can't do that anymore because they, they've got their stadium to pay for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've got all these high priced administrators to pay for. And so the, uh, the quality of college education is going down. It's value in the marketplace is going down at the same time, the amount of loans that the kids are taking on is going through the roof. And so you've got a whole generation of college kids who are graduating, getting jobs that are either way below their, um, their qualifications in in their field or not even in their field. You know, that's why we're hiring so many bartenders and waiters in the last few years. A lot of them are college educated, but they can't find anything in their field. And so they need something to pay the bills, but that's not adequate to pay off their student loans. So that's going to be one of the next possible crises out there. You know, student loan defaults are, um, are spiking. Yeah. And so that's a black swan. You know, if, if student mm -hmm. loans 
start defaulting at a higher and higher rate. Government's guaranteed all that. So it, it all goes on to the, um, the taxpayer bill rather than um, in the private sector. But still, you know, it spikes the deficit. It spikes the obligations of the federal government going forward. And, uh, and that's scary to the currency markets, if nothing else. And then we got the, um, the auto loan market where subprime auto lending is the new, uh, new booming kind of financing out there. And that's got kind of a limited time frame. It's going to blow up at some point because you can only do so much subprime lending. You know, after you've used up all the good borrowers and you've made loans to them and then you start working your way down through the, uh, the less and less likely to pay back their loans over seven or eight years or however long the car loan runs for, um, you, you hit a point where you're just throwing money away. And the auto financing industry is probably at that point based on record car sales, record subprime lending and, uh, and all the rest in that market. So, yeah, uh, you know, we've got a lot of lending categories that are pretty close to um, rational limits now. <laughs> and it's not clear what picks up the slack, you know, because corporate borrowing can't pick it up because they've already maxed out their borrowing ability. And, and as we talked about earlier, the, the markets are starting to um, frown on excessive borrowing in order to buy back stocks. So if you don't get any bang for that buck, there's no point in doing it. So I don't know where the next leverage cycle comes from, but it's not in any obvious places. That's for sure. And we're, we're definitely in trouble. So things to think about because look, uh, wherever we're heading, we're that much closer to getting there. So better be prepared. Anyway, John, uh, hey, podcast going really good now, isn't it? Yeah, so far so good. Uh, the, the response has been pretty favorable. I'm going to do a new one today and it'll be out in a couple of days. So uh, uh, people should look for it on, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday, right, Carrie? if I yeah. send it to you tonight? Should be Wednesday, Thursday. Just take a look at uh, dollarcollapse.com. You'll see the link there. Either subscribe on iTunes or just click and go right to the site and listen to it there. And hey, we've got a link on financialsurvivalnetwork.com, both to Dollar Collapse and to the podcast. John, uh, we will talk to you next week. Great, Carrie. Till next week. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to financialsurvivalnetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.